Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer. We're the co-authors of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Valerie Kinlock, the Renee and Richard Goldman Dean of the University of Pittsburgh School of Education. The author of several books on race and literacy, Dean Kinlock is president of the National Council of Teachers of English and a fellow of the American Council on Education and the American Educational Research Association. She's also the co-chair, full disclosure, of Remake Learning. Dean Kinlock, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be in conversation with you. We, of course, want to get into your work, Dean Kinlock, as an educator, as an author, as a dean of a school of education. But we want to start with you. And it was something that you said in an interview a few years back. You said this about yourself. I think deeply about family. And to do right by them is to do good work in the world and to always remember their struggles. Can you say more about that? What does good work look like for you? And how does family fuel your drive to do it? I do recall saying that when I made that comment, I was thinking about and I continue to think about the many different lives and literacies of people across the world who might not really have access to rich educational opportunities, just the types of environments in which I think people should be able to both survive and thrive in. And so I think deeply about family all the time. I am a first-generation college student from South Carolina. I have two older brothers. I have a mother who wanted to be an educator but didn't have opportunities provided to her. And I am from a father who was a truck driver and who did not complete high school for you know various reasons, probably because it didn't cultivate who he was or wanted to become. I think deeply about how to ensure that I am always working in this world with their identities at the forefront of what I do and what I think about. But I also want to ensure that I'm doing right by other people who might not have access to the rich educational resources and opportunities that others have access to. So what does good work look like for me? A commitment to educational equity and justice. It means a commitment to ensuring that we redistribute and reallocate resources to the people, to the communities who need them the most in order for the work that they are already doing or want to do to happen in the world. And I think good work also looks like being in community and in right relation with other people to ensure that we have a radically inclusive structure by which people can breathe and create and design and remake the type of world that we should all live in. So you came to the University of Pittsburgh School of Education as dean five years ago in 2017. And before that, you spent 10 years at The Ohio State University. Can you tell us what attracted you to higher education as a vehicle for remaking learning? What is it that schools of education can do in bringing that commitment to equity and justice that you mentioned to other spaces of learning? I think I was really attracted to education. I wasn't necessarily attracted to higher education initially. I was attracted to sitting on the floor in a corner as a kid in Charleston, South Carolina, reading books. I was attracted to thinking differently about learning 
I was always intrigued by the idea that one could use language and languages to convey feelings and emotions and expressions, but also to be able to innovate, to be able to create differently. I say all of that because first I've been attracted to learning. Then I entered into higher education and I see higher education as a space for remaking learning not just because we have resources that allow people to think about teaching and learning, but we should have capacity to engage in this work with other people who are in higher education, but who are also within different types of communities. There is a really special role that schools of education can play and should play in making learning more equitable, engaging, and just. In my opinion, that role is to think about some of the purposes of higher education, of education generally, of public education specifically, and it is, in my opinion, to do what someone like Marianne Wright Edelman tells us, to leave the world better than how we found it, to improve the living conditions with and for and because of other people. And schools of education sit on the precipice of being able to do that. We should be able to create partnerships with various communities, with various people. We should understand the intricate connections among children and their identities, families and their identities, and larger communities to include schools and universities, if we could understand those connections, then schools of education can really help to redefine how we exist in the world and how we center learning and teaching and engaging, being able to innovate with other people. I think that's the role schools of education should play, and that is also some of the reasons why I am highly attracted to learning, but also to higher education as a space for learning. So speaking of remaking learning, you've written that there is an imminent need for transformative initiatives that eradicate the educational inequities pervasive in our learning systems. Quote, in short, how we educate must change radically and now. So from your perspective, are there transformative initiatives out there that are showing promise? When you look at the landscape, what are the possibilities that excite you the most? The first thing that comes to mind when I think about transformative initiatives that eradicate educational inequities that are so pervasive in our learning systems, you know, I think of Remake Learning. And I know I'm biased because I am one of the co-chairs of Remake Learning. I think of how a network of people have gathered for 15 years, and probably before then, to really think about how to have a presence and how to convene and how to cultivate relationships that center kids and young people and by extension, families and schools and communities. So I think that's a powerful initiative and I rely on that initiative in order to think about how education must radically change, to be honest. I think there are lots of other initiatives. There are some here in the University of Pittsburgh School of Education. We have the Center for Urban Education, their Summer Educators Forum, we have the Office of Child Development and their PRIDE program, which says we need to start talking about racial identities with children from the time that they're here until they become adults and beyond. And so I think about those types of initiatives and I think I'm left with the question of how do we build that type of capacity where we are able to have these transformative initiatives, but we bring these initiatives together and we are in conversations with each other across these various initiatives. And our goal is to educate differently, to teach and to learn differently. And if we could do that, and I think about the possibilities that should excite all of us. 
I think about how to encourage folks to think creatively and imaginatively about learning, about identities, about the promise of a better world, and how all of those things are possible if we can understand how to remake learning. We love the way that you and your colleagues present the mission of the School of Education at the University of Pittsburgh. In part, it reads, we cultivate relationships, we forge engaged partnerships, we collaborate, we learn with and from communities. So can you talk about the role of communities and partnerships in remaking learning? There's so much research out there about the importance of engaging parents, families, caregivers, communities. How do you and the teachers and educators you're preparing go about building those relationships? And what do those relationships ultimately do for our learners? Thank you for acknowledging and recognizing the mission statement of our Pitt School of Education. It was a labor of love when I first came here and working with and partnering with all of our colleagues in the School of Education at the university and even within communities to ask ourselves fundamental questions about what are your hopes and wishes? What are your dreams and desires as we cultivate relationships, as we forge engage partnerships? And so when I think about the role of communities and partnerships and remaking learning, fundamentally important to have communities centralized in the work that we do. And I think sometimes folks say, well, how can we engage with communities when we're supposed to be teaching our courses and pre-service teacher education? Those are the wrong questions. The questions that we need to be grappling with is how are we centering communities and partnerships in our pursuit of thinking about learning differently? How is it that we are really engaging with parents and families and communities and young people and educators in so far as building the types of relationships that will further nurture our identities as critically conscious learners, thinkers, and change agents. And for me, the mission vision of our School of Education allows us to think differently about the types of questions that we ask. There's a lot of research, particularly in language literacy and cultural studies, that talk about the importance of engaging different groups of people as we think deeply about learning and teaching differently. And there's also a part where we talk about communities in this statement and we also say we innovate and agitate. Like we produce and pursue knowledge. We disrupt and transform in equitable educational structures. And in order to do those things, we are addressing how national, global, social, technological change impacts learning because we think we dream and we lead with integrity. If we are truly doing that work, then the role of communities and partnerships and remaking learning is crucial and should not be a question in how we do this work with other people. This is Greg Baer along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Valerie Kinlock, Dean of the University of Pittsburgh's School of Education and the co-chair of Remake Learning. So as Dean, you've been working to bring more educators, particularly black educators, into the profession. Nationally, we know the numbers are not equitable, to put it mildly. 15% of students are black, only 7% of teachers. In Pennsylvania, the share of black teachers is just 4%. So two questions. How do you think about inspiring new educators at a time when teachers have had a really rough couple of years? More teachers than ever are burned out or demoralized. And how do you approach that specifically with black educators who might look at a school and see very few potential colleagues who look like them? That is the question that really has to begin to define the work or redefine the work. 
I draw on the legacy of so many people, whether we're talking about someone like James Baldwin or June Jordan. And I want to highlight June Jordan here, you know, poet, feminist, scholar, extraordinaire June Jordan. I've been reflecting on a speech that she gave in 1973. And it was a speech that she gave on the value of Black language. It was delivered to the Maryland Department of Education. And in this speech, it's June Jordan who says that teachers understand that we, and I quote, cannot divorce ourselves from our experience. And we cannot deny the history of our life as a people. Nor will we permit the definition of our future to take place in the terms of and the language of those who do not love us who have never loved us. And I answer your question by turning to that particular speech that June Jordan gave in 1973, because we are at a time in which teachers are just under attack. And so how am I as a dean, I mean, hence as a human being, seeking to motivate more people into education, particularly Black people? And it's something that I have to do. It's something that we have to do. If we understand that we cannot, as June Jordan says, divorce ourselves from our experiences, and we cannot deny the history of our life as a people. And she's speaking about Black language. I map that on to thinking about getting more Black teachers into classrooms, into school buildings, particularly in the state of Pennsylvania, but across the nation. And I think one way of doing that is by providing opportunities for more people to have access to university, community, school district partnerships, so this summer, I've designed two different projects, and one is the Summer Academy for Black high school students. And I believe we have about 15 or so Black high school students and first-generation college students who will be participating in this program. But that second program is titled Genius, Joy, and Love, and it is for educators who want to deeply pursue equity, justice, and anti-racist teaching. It is for educators who understand that we have yet again a long way to go to ensure that this profession, which is teaching, is seen as admirable. It's not something we just get up and do. We've been trained to teach and to learn and to engage and to care for other people, even if we don't fully know who they are. And so that's what I want to do. I want to encourage folks to really think deeply about what it means to teach and to learn differently and how we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take a break, but as we do that work and we reflect on how we are feeling burned out and demoralized, we understand that education is for the public good and we somehow tap into that possibility of engaging the public in order to do good in the world, and that's my hope. Dean Kinlock, you just mentioned this academy for high school seniors as well as the programming for educators. And there are any sorts of names that you could have given to this. And forgive me, in higher education, it would typically have been the academy for blah, blah, blah. Right? <laughs> but you've used three words, genius, joy, and love. Tell us about the significance of those words and how you've matched those words together to these two initiatives. Genius, joy, and love. I've been motivated by and encouraged and inspired by so many people. And one of my really, really good friends, Goldie Mohammed, one of her books is titled Cultivating Genius, and it's a framework for thinking about the historical and cultural literacies, practices, approaches for educating and working with Black students. So that genius piece, it comes from 
a longer history of me understanding the genius within my own family, even when the public didn't understand it. And then I mapped that on to what Goldie Muhammad writes about cultivating genius. That joy piece for me, we have to understand how joy has to be present and how we show up, how we are in community with other people, and how we seek to revolutionize and transform learning and teaching and engaging. And so that's the joy piece. And the love piece is for so long, I've met people who have said to me that you don't have to love the people you teach and you don't really have to love what you're teaching. You just have to show up and do it. And I push back on that. If we are getting up every day and we're committed to this work and we don't have love for the people who we're working with, how do we teach to transgress? But how do we also understand that love is something that has to be present and what we do and how we do it. I want people participating in these different programs to understand that they have genius, that they should bring their joy into the space, and that they should learn how to unapologetically love themselves and love whomever they wanna love as we all get down to the business of doing the work that is productive, positive, and good in the world with and for other people. Dean Kinlock, you also launched the Pitt Ed Justice Collective, which is a three-year working group at Pitt comprised of virtual events with a global reach, research on anti-racism and anti-racist teaching, study groups, and even more. Can you tell us a little bit about the collective to date? What are some of the projects and ideas that have come out of it, and uh, where is it headed next? The Pitt Ed Justice Collective is something that I founded two years ago because of the unfortunate murder of Mr. George Floyd, Jr., in addition to a lot of other unfortunate incidences and killings of black and brown people happening across the nation and hence the world. And I decided that as a school of education, we needed to do something that was more responsive than writing yet another position statement. We needed to maybe write a position statement, but then to have experiences that talk about equity and justice, but also anti-racism that invite people in and There's so many different parts of this Pit Ed Justice Collective. One part that I created was a study group for whites, collaborators, co-conspirators, allies, whatever word we want to use to describe them. And we have so many white folks who have shown up, and not just here in the city of Pittsburgh, it's across the nation. We have folks from different universities in different states, and we form small reading groups and study groups. That has been so necessary as a way to say, we all have a responsibility in this work. It is work that requires their involvement, their attention, their knowledge, their care. Justice and equity cannot just be the work of Black people and other peoples of color. And I've been really excited to see how so many white folks have signed up over the last two years for these reading groups and have actually presented on them at different national conferences as well. And so where is it headed next? It remains a collective of people in the city, but also across the nation and hopefully across the globe who want to further convene around anti-racism, equity and justice, and not just within schools. I think we have to think about connecting schools to communities to the world. As we come to the close of our conversation, we want to turn back to that brilliant mission statement that you all have at the University of Pittsburgh School of Education, which again in part says this, we teach with and for dignity, we think, we dream. 
So what does it mean to teach with and for dignity? And what is your dream for the future of learning? I would say to teach with and for dignity is to have a lot of patience and respect for other people. It is to know who you are as you are teaching, as you are learning, as you're walking in the world, but it's also to know who you are so intimately that you make space for who other people are and what they might know or might not know. Teaching takes a lot of care. In my opinion, it's the most humanizing work that one could do because we are interacting and learning with and from other human beings. And then your second question about my dream for the future of learning, the future of learning has to be radically inclusive. It has to be about freedom and liberation. It has to be about creating and sustaining spaces and places where people are free to enter and contribute in the most positive and productive ways and leave this world, as Marion Wright Edelman tells us, better than we found it. Dean Kinlock, how can people find out more about the work you're doing? By going to our pit.edu website and going to the School of Education, where we're documenting a lot of this work. I do have a new book that recently came out with co-authors um, Emily Nemeth and Tamara Butler and Grace Player, and it's titled Where's the Justice? And, you know, they can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm at Valerie Kinlock. Valerie, before we go, we have just one last question for you. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I'm going to go right back to the title of the summer programs I created. I think it is to fully embrace the genius and the joy and the love within themselves, within ourselves, and within each other. I think it is to understand that what people dream about what people are imagining, these things are possible. And how do we take the time to cultivate the types of relationships with people today that leads to a better world, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in 20 years, whether it's when we're not here. I think that's what we do. We put aside our own ways of thinking about others if it's deficit-based, and we open ourselves up to the possibilities that we actually can collectively and individually dream a better world together. And if we can dream it together, then we can create it together. Thanks again to Valerie Kinlock, an educator, author, Dean of the University of Pittsburgh School of Education, and the co-chair of Remake Learning. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning. Learn more at remakelearning.org.